Hello, free thinkers. I'm Mickey Z, and I welcome you to Post Woke, the New York City-based podcast where we practice intellectual self-defense. I would just want people to start to to feel like it's okay to ask questions and it's okay to question yourself and whether you're left or right, because it brings up emotions in everybody that, that I would like everybody to challenge themselves to watch it and then challenge themselves to say, Hey, where am I close-minded? Hey, where have I thought I was right where I was wrong? Hey, especially on this issue, where are my stances? What about the people I'm judging? Why am I judging them? And what's their story? That was Jennifer Sharp an award-winning director, editor, writer, and graduate of NYU's Tisch School of the Arts. She released the feature film Una Great Movie in 2019, but in 2021, Jen suffered an injury from the COVID-19 vaccine. Since then, she made Anecdotals, a must-see documentary that reveals the experiences of those who have tried to get help for their own vaccine adverse events. I talked to Jen about the movie and about her incredible journey, bringing her to this point in an excellent, free-flowing conversation that we'll get to right after this word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z here, and I'm asking you to offer some support for a project that I've been running for nearly six years. It's called Helping Homeless Women NYC. And as the name implies, I've been getting out there on the streets for, like I said, nearly six years to offer direct relief to some of the most vulnerable yet fiercest women you'll ever want to meet. If you check the show notes, you will find a direct link for how to donate at GoFundMe. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon patron or in ordering uh, restaurant gift cards directly from my wish list, shoot me an email and I'll send you that information. But I'm just requesting some support, thanking you in advance and asking you no matter what to please share the link far and wide. Now, let's get back to the show. In March 2020, I recall then-New York Governor Andrew Cuomo tweeting, We will fight to save every life we can. Around that time, we seemed to collectively commence this nonstop daily and inaccurate case and death counts for COVID. Today, as we near the end of 2022, I wonder what happened to the fight to save every life we can mentality when it comes to vaccine adverse events. Where are those daily counts being reported by the media? Why aren't healthcare workers doing elaborate dance routines for those injured by the experimental injection? We're all in this together, they said. That is, unless your anecdotal story shatters the facade created by the medical industrial complex. My guest, Jennifer Sharp, has firsthand experience in this nightmare. She's spoken out. She's made a brand new must-see documentary, and she's here with me to talk about all of that and so much more. So Jennifer, welcome to Post Woke. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for making time to talk. And I would really love, I want to dive into 
your story, the vaccine-related uh, injury story. But first, I just want to publicly say congratulations on the release of your documentary this week. It's, Thank you. It's must-see. It's crucial. And I could imagine how how painstaking it was at points to put something like this together. But before we get into the backstory, in the short term, this week it's been released. What's it been like? What's the feed been, feedback been like? What's the censorship been like? What can you tell us about the past three or four days of your life? Yeah, it's been a whirlwind and it's been crazy. And what I didn't expect was the outpouring of gratitude from other vaccine injured people. Um, I made this with the audience in mind being people that um, don't know that there are reactions and kind of trying to bridge the left right gap and the pro anti gap and make a very gentle movie that just shows our perspective of people who've been injured, but also doesn't doesn't beat down theories and tell you how to think. It just, you know, reminds you to ask questions. Um, So my hoping was like, you know, I could get it to some people on the left, some family members I have who like are skeptical of vaccine injuries. But what I wasn't, what I forgot was that people are the injured people who don't have a voice. And when the ones who don't have a voice see this movie and they're like, thank you. And I've gotten the most heartfelt, amazing emails and messages from people who are injured, thanking me saying they've never heard their story before, you know, like this and they feel heard. And like some people, one person was like, I've never reported my adverse reaction. And then they went on to write a long paragraph. I mean, five paragraphs about their whole last two years. So, I mean, I've just been getting story after story. And the unfortunate thing is most of these have been on YouTube because we opened on YouTube. So there were like 63 comments and it was just a really awesome thread of like, oh, this was my reaction. And I saw myself in your movie and thank you for being our voice. And then a day and a half later, YouTube canceled all my canceled the movie, shut it down and took all the comments away. Oh, it's exasperating. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I wish I could say I was stunned and surprised by that behavior, but it's they've certainly established um, a, a, a protocol over the past two plus years. But it, what a gift that would have been for people to for the for the yeah. audience you're trying to reach to not just see your movie, but to also see themselves in the commenters. Yes. So it, it, um, I hope that there's other avenues in which people can find this and, and share. And there's, you know, maybe people, yeah. well, maybe people can email you. I mean, I don't know how, how to do it, but it's like those voices are so yeah, it's essential. So, and it was, and YouTube was the perfect platform where like, yeah, people could just, you could read other people's comments and realize, Hey, this movie is, the real deal, like people, they were talking about real people and it's not just the people and, and YouTube was the perfect place. And what's crazy. So it's not on YouTube. I have it on the website. Um, so that's where you can always see it because if it gets taken down another site, so it's on the website, that's also the best quality. Okay. Um, one quality level down as a filmmaker, I'm obsessed with film quality, right? Too like, and most people don't see the difference and don't care, but I'm saying the next quality down is Odyssey. Um, and, you know, there have been a few comments on Odyssey, but and they're not that it's just not YouTube, you know, so it's just, that's what's frustrating is like trying to get a mainstream eye on this. And so Odyssey, we've had like three, four, I don't know, 5000 views at this point, but like a few comments. It's just not that community where people comment. And then lastly, um, I always thought Rumble would kind of be a place we land at. But the quality of, of Rumble is visually the worst. So as a filmmaker, I was like, I'm not releasing my film on Rumble until I can get them to do the higher quality version, which okay. they should be able to. It's just a technical thing. I don't know. But meanwhile, while I've been like stubbornly like I'm not showing my movie at bad quality because it needs to be respectable at all levels. And someone who's already skeptical of my movie and then sees kind of a blurry 
bad quality movie, they're going to be like, oh, this is garbage, right? So I was adamant. But unfortunately, in the last two days of me taking that stand, two people have ripped the movie, pirated it, and put it on Rumble anyway. And it's gotten like 7,000 views there. And like, and it's in the bad quality. (laughs) Oh, man. What what, what a... What a mixed message, though, because I'm hearing you, and I'm believe me, I'm totally understanding that this isn't an ego stance on on the quality. Although you are an artist and you want it to look the way you want it to look, but when when people when you have a potential audience that is looking for any reason to say, oh, she's one of the crazy ones. Look, she can't even um, focus her camera or something like yeah. that. That th- you don't want to give them that little little entry point to to dismiss you and not hear what you're saying. But then another part of me is like, hey, you know, this it, is so. I mean, I I watched the movie. It's like I, I it's so important that people see it. And I certainly won't pretend what's the best way to go. But I guess that pirated version kind of said it's going to happen anyway. So right. let's see. So wow, <laughs> yeah. wow. Yeah, and it's wild as a filmmaker. Like someone stole my movie and they're posting it and they're getting views. But I'm like, there are no ads on it, so they're not getting monetized. Although one of the videos underneath says make a donation. I mean, but to their channel, cause they have other stuff too. So I'm like, Oh, they're going to, you know, use my movie and maybe get people to donate to them. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's kind of bullshit. Cause you like, you just don't want it to look like it's, um, something you're endorsing and saying this is or or that it looks it's another thing that can discredit you like oh this filmmaker makes this movie but she's just looking for donation because and i don't mean to be cynical but i've been somebody that's been controversial for my entire writing and podcasting and public speaking career and i know that there is a certain group of the percentage of the population that is always looking for a reason to not expand their consciousness and if someone is saying something controversial but they can dismiss them on some kind of bs thing like oh the quality of the film or it looks like she's looking for donations it's i i I wish i had useful advice there but i i am glad that you just said seven thousand people watched it on odyssey so that's yeah who, and that, and who knows what conversations they're having via social media, face to face, like, like no matter what, that's a positive. No, it's so positive. And somebody actually said to me that, you know, he's been from the whole pandemic trying to get his mom to listen to anything about people who died suddenly, people who are getting, you know, and his mom's just like, no, 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 like just so pro vaccine. And so I'm not going to hear it. And he told me that for Christmas this year, he told his mother that what he wants for Christmas is that his mother needs to watch this documentary. And uh, isn't that sweet? And he said, this is a movie that I think my mom can digest. And uh, I'm how'd like, you feel? How'd you feel when you hear that? Oh my God. I was like, <laughs> that is as a filmmaker, that was exactly why I made this movie. I made this for people to show to their skeptics in their life, because I just think there's a lot of ignorance and a lot of, um, yes. you know, media bias. And I, and I understand it more and more like that people don't actually don't know. And the fact that this movie got taken off of YouTube shows you, that I mean, in, in, in the mainstream, nobody knows about these reactions like they still don't. We're not allowed to talk about them. So, of course, if you don't think those these reactions exist because you're not seeing many, you're going to have a different view of this situation. And, you know, and yeah, you could force yourself to delve and dig and find the truth. But a lot of people don't have time to do that. So, and the, you know, it just shows you the fact this movie was taken off of YouTube just shows you how little these people on the on the back side are actually seeing and so that was just like i want to make something that's going to open their eyes and when he said that about his mom i was just like you know i was amazed and i want to say one more thing too about the 
the donation money thing, which is just interesting. So I'm a filmmaker. I've done other films and I'm an independent filmmaker. So I've never been able to make a living with my films, but it's been my dream. And once I got to the end of this anecdotals, it hit me that this could be the one movie that actually I make money from. Um, because it's such a controversial issue. Mm-hmm. And if I targeted more the anti-vax side, and if I um, put ads on it even, like I've already gotten probably between all the platforms, including the Rumble Steelers, like maybe like I've probably gotten like close to 20,000 views in the first three days, two days. Like imagine, you know, if we end up getting a million views and I had ads in there and for every ad I get paid, like I was like, this is actually going to get a lot of views and has the potential to make a lot of money. Um, I could also try to rent. Like I just started thinking, like if I was more money savvy, I could make money. And I just thought about it, and I'm like, am I being a bad filmmaker? Like this is my career. And then I'm just like, no. Like this movie has to be free, and it has to be without commercials. Like it just it, that has to be so accessible to everybody. No reason to walk away. Yeah, so. I, 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 I hear you totally because it's. What a conundrum, really, because you, 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 yes, when you said, am I a bad filmmaker? Because it's such a heavily conditioned aspect of being an artist in our modern culture that there's some glorification of being the quote-unquote starving artist or being the one who refuses to quote-unquote sell out. Mm-hmm. And I think we, we, we take – when someone that wants to be an activist or an artist may – counterproductively take this vow of poverty and and then it it limits their audience but a movie like this which is it's it's kind it's journalism you're you're interviewing the people that that big shot heavily high-paid people on cnn fox and all the rest of them won't go near and and perhaps don't even know exist but i think they know they exist so so this is what you're doing is is for the public good so i can I can only imagine the inner conflict of how do how do you make this work and how do you know what the right choice is. But twenty thousand in the first couple of days is sounds to me like it, the the people are starting to speak. Like, yeah, the, the, we want to see more of this, and yes. the, the way you're doing it is the way to do it. And my instincts are telling me that that you know it, there's no way of knowing when this will happen, but there's going to be a breakthrough point. There's going to be a point where somebody from a more mainstream uh, venue will call you up and say, hey, can we interview? Can we talk about you? We saw your movie. And that's what we all desperately need. We need that yes. crossover. Like what your friend is showing his mom on a one-on-one basis, we need that on a grand scale where somebody's saying, I need to get a bunch of, what well, you know, for lack of a better term, normies to say, <laughs> hey, I'm going to, all right, I'll give this a chance and watch it and, and just see where that takes us. Because as I said, when you, when you watch this movie, it comes across – in a way that I, I, I challenge anyone to watch this and not be not feel moved to action and not feel moved to self-education because it's it's perfectly fine. As you said, you're not trying to tell someone how to think, but you're urging them to ask questions. And when I looked at when I watched anecdotals, I'm thinking I'm trying to put myself in the mindset of someone who maybe hasn't even been exposed to this. I just thought, wow, this, they must have so many questions. And yeah. if, if they ask them you know, we're on our way to, to a, a, a different situation. So I, I'm just excited to do a small yeah. part of giving you a, a voice here, but you're, you're, you're on your way. 20,000. Thank and, you. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. Like I'm like, that's been the thing is like, I'm the FLCCC frontline COVID, uh, COVID. Like I can't think of the, the FLCCC, they've endorsed it. Um, 
the CHD has endorsed it, and they're going to actually screen it on their holiday movie marathon um, on nice. CHD. So on Children's Health Defense. So yes. um, so that's great. And but it's like, and the and what's interesting though is the criticisms that I've gotten on this movie, like from the anti-vax side, from the right side. So I mean, what's funny too is like when it was on YouTube, there was a lot of love and a lot of like, oh, this happened to me, and like, thank you for the story. And then it goes to Rumble. <laughs> or you know and an uh, odyssey or whatever you know and it's like there's love but there's also hate and there's like and like, hate from the right you know and it's like it's i've been caught like two like there was one post where someone was like well so one is like the movie is too it's a pro-vaccine propaganda or something like it's so the problem that people have on the right is that it's too mild like it's not they want something that's like you know screw Fauci and screw this and, <laughs> and you know but it's like we have that and then we just sit around and get angry together and that's exactly. not exactly that's not helpful um, I, I I'm right with you on that I've I've even as as a sub stacker I I've re- relatively recently written about uh this quandary that I feel where uh, um Am I just singing to the choir here? And I noticed that when people subscribe to my Substack, Substack tells me who else they subscribe to. And I noticed that of all my subscribers, they seem to be subscribed to all the same places. And it starts to turn into a, a kind of an insular situation. And they're already hyper aware. And the vast majority of them wouldn't have taken the vaccine in the first place anyway. Mm-hmm. So, but I did share your the trailer to Anecdotals. And, and I did have a couple of, of very firm anti-vaxxers angry when anyone in the trailer says, hey, I'm not anti-vax, but this happens to me. They just, just saying yes. I'm not anti-vax was repulsive to them and I respect that opinion but I I think it, it, we have to realize that they're not the given they're not the audience but the yes. power they have is to watch it put aside that issue but share it with someone who needs more of a soft sell right which is the majority of Americans I think totally it's the majority and I mean somebody actually like called bad names to two of the people in my movie with injuries. Because, I mean, like, I actually took this comment down and I was like, I know I shouldn't remove any comments, but it's just not about hate and fighting. And it was such a hateful comment. And it was directed to two vaccine injured people in my movie. And it was basically like, because one of them said that vaccines have saved lives. Yeah. Um, And the other one said, I still believe in vaccines. Yeah. And it's like, and, and, you know, and because they said that, even though they've been injured, they're these dumb idiots with, you know, experts, you know, and I'm like, it's, I think, but I feel like this is an opportunity for me as well, because as of right now, as I'm being embraced by more of the right, and for the most part, people are loving, loving, loving the movie and thanking me like all around. Right. So, you know, it's, it's wonderful. I don't mind that, but I also want to put people on the right and I want to put everybody in check. Like, yes. like. You know, check yourself. Like, what what is this anger and hatred and calling people names? How does that help anything? Like, if you think, you know, you know so much about vaccines and you never should have gotten vaccinated, but there are some people that felt differently and maybe they're wrong in your eyes and maybe they're absolutely wrong in the absolute world. Maybe you have the absolute truth. But does it help you to call them names and be angry at them and like make and, and contribute to the division? Like, what, what are we going to do? How are we going to move forward? How are we going to fix this world a little bit at least uh, i agree if if there is a fertile ground for awareness on this issue unfortunately it's uh, it, there are people out there and it seems like the number is growing on a daily basis who were injured by this specific injection mm-hmm. and that they are the most receptive audience because someone who took it and t- so as far as they know they're fine 
even if they ended up, quote unquote, getting COVID, they, they, mm-hmm. they're not going to be the most receptive because in their eyes, I did what was asked of me. I'm still healthy. I'm fine. This sounds at, 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 to be polite if they would say it's anecdotal. But mm-hmm. someone who's been injured is exactly the one in two cases. They're, they're going to be most receptive to this information and to get to your main point there. They deserve um, – compassion whether or not they made a choice i personally let's all speak for myself i personally mm-hmm. disagreed with i tried to inform people as much as i could from late 2020 on about the, the jab but if someone got it i mean and the, that's i'm going to be radically honest the vast majority of my loved ones got it so mm-hmm. i am not sitting here rooting to be right oh you're all going to get sick you're going to i i i would love to be wrong about this but i know that because as you documented in the movie there's so many injured people that this could be it's it sounds explo- exploitative but this is the entry point these poor souls yourself included suffered an injury and are now saying i want to know more about what's going on and how many more are are there of us and what can we do and i couldn't agree more the last thing you need right then is to be saying is to be implying in any way shape or form that they got what they deserve because they were stupid enough to get the jab that i have zero um, solidarity with that stance and i I agree with you 100 percent on it yeah it's been it's been that's been it's been interesting and you know And I've been afraid because obviously I've come from the left. My maybe obviously maybe not, but you know my politics. I'm I'm left leaning um, and liberal thinking, whatever that means. I don't know what these labels really mean. Um, but you know, so I was just so now I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm stepping into a world with people I don't know, and the people who are embracing me are the people more on the right, and that's really sad. It's really sad that and you had said that the you know the more mainstream places will reach out to me eventually. I hope, I hope, I hope, like, I hope, you know, cause it's just like, it's, I want to not preach to the choir. I want to, you know, have people think, but I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, we'll see what happens. I hope so. I, I'm with you on that. And so you know, if you, if you're okay with it, let's backtrack a little bit. And you, if you, whatever you're comfortable sharing about your vaccine experience and how that, that, that those dominoes fell into place as from the moment you got, the one shot that you got to leading up to where we are today, doing an interview about this amazing <laughs> documentary you did, whatever you want to fill in there. I, you don't have to get too personal, but mm-hmm. you know, I, we definitely need that context of how, how did you end up being right here right now? Okay. Yeah. So I, it was March of 2020. So it was slightly early. I worked at the Y. So we work with kids so we could get an early shot. And um, before the, you know, it, so it's coming out. So I actually was never excited about it. I've always been skeptical about things. And, but everything in my Facebook feeds, everything in my news feeds was like, the shot's great. It's been tested. It's, and I was like, this seems weird. And why is it so great? So I reached out to a, a, one friend I have who's very anti vax and has been for years and years. And I asked her to send me some literature because I was like, can you send me some things from your side? Because I'm not seeing anything against the vaccine. And I would like to know what they're saying against it before I do this. Um, she sent me a bunch of stuff. And the only thing that really rung super true to me that I was like, OK, this actually was the Gert Vander here. <laughs> I don't know his name, but it's like Gert Vander, whatever, you know, and he had that whole theory about the spike protein and long COVID. And it was really interesting. And I was like, hmm, this makes a lot of sense. So then I was just like, well, I don't know about this vaccine. And it does seem like there's some reason to be afraid. And I even talked to people about this and about that. But then I was just like, well, it's the only it seems it's the only option that we have right now that could possibly bring us back to normal. 
And, you know, the world's been crazy. The world's been shut down. And if this is going to bring us back to normal, if this is going to stop COVID, it's the only chance we have. Like, I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if, you know, but I'm going to try it. I'm going to give it a try. Like, it was kind of like, let's do this. And hopefully it's, it's not that bad. And and immediately I took the shot. Um, and I actually, like, from the beginning, I was driving home. I live in L.A. And I, I just had this weird feeling I shouldn't be driving. Like, I just couldn't focus. Like, it was, wow. it was yeah, I felt, like, real spacey and, like, I, like I sh- like maybe uh, yeah I was like maybe I shouldn't be on the highway right now and then I got home and I went to bed and my whole left side of my body had a reaction and the shot was on the left side and so my bed was drenched like dripping with sweat but only on the left side of my body was sweating the right side was really cold oh. um I had a headache on the left side of my head really bad but the right side of my head had no headache it was just this wild obvious reaction left side stuff um my left knee my left ankle were swollen it hurt to walk i couldn't feel the left side of my face at all um and i was sure if i looked in the mirror i was going to see that the left side of my face was like drooping way down i looked in the mirror and my face looked fine so i'm like this is wild um i ate and i chipped my tooth because i couldn't feel my gums and I was joking about it with my mom and fr- I was just kind of like, I had somewhere, I was supposed to go somewhere the next day for the weekend. And I was like, should I go? Like, I can't feel half of my body. Like, and <laughs> like I wasn't, <laughs> it was just kind of like, this is weird. And, and I was supposed to meet my high school friend um, for a weekend we had planned. Um, and she lives in Sacramento. I live in LA. We we're going to have a hotel weekend with wine tasting in the middle. And I was going the next day and I was like, I don't know if I should even drive, like, I can't feel how, you know, my left, my left hand is numb. My left calf is numb. Like, um, and, but it was, I was so excited for this weekend that I was like, you know, it'll go away. Like, (laughs) it's just a reaction to the vaccine. I mean, it's just a weird thing because of the, but it's going to go away. So I went ahead and like had the weekend and hung out with my friend, but the whole time we're kind of joking about it. Cause I'm like, Oh, I can't feel my face. And I'm like touching my face and she's laughing. And like, <laughs> I mean, it, we're not being stupid, but it's just kind of like, this is weird. And like, yeah, but I'm not yeah. going to, I'm not going to let it control me. So I'm going on with my life, but I got home and like, it just continued and it never, it wasn't going away. And it, you know, two weeks in, I contacted the NIH um, because I was in, a, I, I found a support group. Luckily, I, I mentioned it to one of my neighbors, and she was like, "Oh, I just saw somebody on next door post about her vaccine reaction." And I was like, "What?" And she put, and then she put us in touch, and it was Denise Hertz, okay. who is a big speaker, and she lives in my neighborhood. And, and it was really early on, and she had just started this Facebook group. And I called her, and she, I told her, and she's like, "No, ever since I did this article, like everybody's been calling me from all over the world, and here's the Facebook group." And so I got to be a really early member of this group, and. And then everybody's like, should we get the second shot? Should we not? And they're talking to the NIH. They're doing that NIH study is, is going to start or eventually. And so I contacted the NIH and I was like, should I get the second shot? Like, I, I don't know what to do. Like, you know, I, it's, I'm two weeks in. I'm still, it's a little better, but tell me, I, sh- I probably shouldn't get the second shot, right? Like what's going on? And the NIH replied back to me and was oh. like, we, yeah, I, think I got a reply. And they said, we can't give you medical advice. Talk to your primary care physician. <laughs> no, I don't have health insurance and I don't have a primary care physician. Oh, so, shit. and primary care physicians don't know what's going yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That, yeah, so that was, so then I was just, it became my group and be, I don't have health insurance, which is actually a really another level of this is like when I was making the movie, I was like, I want to go to poor neighborhoods. I'm a black woman. I was like, I want to go to inner city black neighborhoods. I want to find people 
Um, but, you know, even poor, like just people who don't ha- have health insurance and how are they dealing with this? And do they know they even have a reaction? There's a whole other side of this that if I had money behind me, I would have gone into that too, because I'm talking to people who have health insurance. Most of the people in my Facebook group are doctors. You know, they, they're doctors and nurses and have connections and they're getting MRIs and they're getting small fiber neuropathy. Like I'm learning all these words and gepetopin and, you know, like they know what they're talking about. And I'm just like, but what about people who are just having weird stuff happen and they don't have a doctor and they're just going on with their work life? Like, um, so that was always a really question, but because I didn't have health insurance, I was able to just go through the chat and see that all these amazing doctors in my group were getting no help from other amazing doctors. Um, so there was no point for me to go to like the free clinic and like yeah. you know ask <laughs> sit for twelve hours. Like I knew I wasn't going to get help. So anyway, fast forward a, to now a year. Um, like I didn't get the second shot. Um, you know, I was just like, yeah, when it, when it's when it's when it's the night before, and I still can't feel the left side of my face. I'm like, that's kind of a no brainer, but, but I did question it. Like, well, I'm halfway there. Should I just finish it? I mean, anyway, but I didn't. So I got, so I, I've, I've come, luckily it never got that much worse. Like I have days. So I'm two years, I'm almost two years now. And I still, when I wake up in the morning, but my left calf, my left foot is numb numbish for like the first half hour to 45 minutes and then it goes away um i'll be sitting here and suddenly i'll have a sharp needle prick in my cheek or in my hand or in my arm or in my foot like i get these sharp needle pricks and Mm -hmm. i get itchy palm like just weird things that happen it's all where i am now i'm like 95 to 90 percent better like i can live with this i'm not my life has not been affected um in the way a lot of people's have so i'm lucky although maybe i'm gonna develop multiple sclerosis or ALS or something in five years, like, because there's neurological stuff that's happening inside my body. I feel it, but it doesn't bother me. Like, so that, um, so, but then it was also my reaction. So I didn't, I couldn't get the second shot. I ended up losing work. So the mandates came and it was like, I work in New York city and I live in Los Angeles. So the two worst places. Yeah. Like it was just like, I would go to New York city for like a month, you know, to, to teach. And I'm like, I'm not allowed to go anywhere. I can't go to gyms. And I'm like, why? So then I actually kind of turned down the job in the end. Like I told my boss, I was like, I can't keep coming here and working if I'm not allowed to do anything. Like I'm coming to New York City for like six weeks in the winter and I'm not, I can't go to gyms. I can't go meet people at restaurants. I can't do anything. So I'm just going to sit in an apartment and then go and work. And I was like, I can't exist like this. So I can't live here and work here. And um, LA, at least, at least the weather's nice. So you can do things outside. You know, so, but it was weird. And when nobody cared about my, nobody cared that I was being shut out of society. And like, you probably know, like, you, you know, you live in New York city. So you had that same feeling. Right. And it's like, I was a little different where I'm like, Hey, I actually did what I was supposed to do. So like you're, you know, people are hating on the anti-vax people, but it's like, what about those of us in the middle who actually did what we were supposed to do and we're still outcasts and nobody cares about us. Um, you yeah. know, and we should care about everybody. Like I, I was also like, I don't care if you're anti-vax, like you should still be able to be a human and participate in society for whatever your reason is like, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. And, and that when you say the ones in the middle, and I just want to clarify, it's a huge group. Like, it's not like, yeah. and the, the implication is that there are, there might be a few cases of adverse events, but it's a huge group. And, yeah, there's a, the, uh, that's quite a, a, a story, and and I could um, I could understand your trepidation of like I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I admire that you you're present now and you're 
living your life now and then you're also trying to get this information out there. It's it's such a – as you were talking, I was just thinking it, it was so illustrative of the power of this fear matrix they put out there because it's mm-hmm. – you're going to – you know, you you did some research, but I think the majority of people, because they were so heavily bombarded with this fear that that this nightmarish disease was was lurking behind every door, um, that they're going to limit how skeptical they allow themselves to be. And also, d- during that time period, um, the fact that Trump was president, and yes, um, it's interesting because he was the the guy behind the whole warp speed thing and it remains to this day very pro covid vaccine but his in generally speaking his people didn't trust um fauci and didn't get the jab so it was very easy because i come out of the left too and that's the, the, so it's very easy for anyone even remotely left-leaning to have that sort of trump derangement syndrome where anything he's connected to is automatically bad so if yeah. someone voted for trump and said you know here's a scientific paper telling you why you shouldn't get this jab you wouldn't even read the paper because they voted for trump so they they can't possibly know anything and i think that that perfect storm of events led to people um when you when you were talking about how you were telling people and people were kind of downplaying it or like almost disbelieving it to some degree it i just think this it was like this mass hypnosis going on because it just things were happening right before people's eyes and they just couldn't see it and and then here you are documenting it and yeah well that's it mass hypnosis like that's exactly it it's like and that was crazy like my brother and my i mean people that i love and my best friends were just like couldn't see what i was saying like well it's good it's the greater good it's for a health it's a health public health emergency it's and i'm like oh my god you guys are smart you read (laughs) things you know like you're not willing to to talk even talk about this like yeah so because we live in a, a algorithm driven society in which people kind of like when you were saying earlier how when you were scrolling your Facebook feed, you weren't seeing anything counter to the vaccine. And that's not an accident because yeah. based on who your friends are and what you click on and what what articles you read, the robots are basically feeding you this information and you could have this wonderful feeling like everyone agrees with me. Look, look at my newsfeed. Everyone agrees with me. I must be on the right side. And, and I'm not saying you, I mean, all of us, Mm -hmm. none of us are immune to programming, especially when it gets as deep as artificial intelligence. But then when you see the people and you, and you mentioned that you feel fortunate that it hasn't altered your life the way other people have. And those people are in your movie. And I just want, and so how did you, Get, go about getting in touch with with the with the wide array of people in the movie whose whose um, story ranged from being a parent talking about a child who died after getting the shot or being someone who is now in a wheelchair. Like the stories are pretty varied and all of them very serious. How did how did that process work for you? Getting in touch with them and how comfortable were they being in front of the camera and telling the story? Yeah, well, first of all, there were no, there were so many people who wouldn't, who I reached out to who wouldn't. I have a friend who got vaccinated. So because I'm a really honest person and I've always just kind of said things, like, I, I, it was interesting. Like, at one point I went to this party, like, sometime when thing in July 2020, like, when it was still like, should we get together? Should we not? People were just still getting together and I'm in LA and 
and there was this woman there and I, and there's like six of us and I, and I'm talking about how I had a reaction to the vaccine and, and I'm, and I, and everybody's like, oh, you know, and this woman, basically, I'm talking about my reaction for about 20 minutes and we're going on and an hour and a half or an hour later, she just starts crying, oh, like yeah. breaks down. And I mean, in like uncontrollable sobs that a grown woman doesn't, you never see happen. And we're all like, what? And, you know, so, so, you know, like six of us, we're all women. We're like, oh my gosh, what's wrong? And she's like, she's like, I just didn't even expect to say this or anything, but like everything you've been saying just has hit me. And I got the shot and I couldn't, I was stuck in my bed for two and a half weeks. I couldn't get out of bed. I thought I would never be able to walk again. I called people for help and nobody believed me. Nobody would believe it was the vaccine. I had to go online and find my own herbalistic treatments and tinctures. And she did this whole thing and she ordered stuff and healed herself according you know, or, you know, she was just like, and I finally could get out of bed and I've, but I still can't, I fall down and, and, you know, and I, and nobody in my life believes me. And she was just sobbing and she was like, I can't believe I wasn't even going to say this, but hearing you. So me telling my truth actually brought a lot of people to talk to me. Um, the next day she sent me a text and she was just like, last night was like therapy to me. Thank you. I'm so, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to unleash. And I was like, wow. Like the fact that that she needed that so much, how many other people need it. And then I realized so many people don't know their reactions because I talked about my reaction and she never talked about hers. It's like she tried and got shut down. So she doesn't. Um, More people came to me. It turns out one of my, one of my best friends actually had a very similar reaction to me. So I know like, four or five people in my immediate circle who had reactions. And I'm like, that's not rare, but none of them talk to people about it. So nobody in their lives know. So I reached out to my friend who was crying at the party um, to when I made this documentary. And I was like, do you think I could just film you and me having dinner together at a restaurant? Like, let's just like have fun and like talk. And, but like just talking about our experiences, like, like I had that vision and she was just called me and she's like, I can't, she's like, I still haven't told people she was like, I'm still seeing a physical therapist to, to, to walk. Like my knee gives out and I can't bike like I used to. And, but everybody like shames me so much when I start talking about it that I just have learned to be quiet and I can't talk about this. And so there were a lot of people to answer your question. There were a lot of people who would not be interviewed. And that was also really disturbing to me. And that gave me more fire I get it. I didn't want to make the movie. <laughs> I get it. Like I'm yeah. in the movie. Like I don't want, I don't want to be on blast front page here either, but it, it needed to happen. Like there's too much wrong happening. So what I ended up doing was just going through my Facebook group and Denise and everybody and saying, I'm making this documentary who is willing, you know, and I reached out to a few people and they'd be like, no. And so basically the people who um, are in it are the people who were willing, who replied back to me okay. and was like, I'll tell this story. Yeah. Well, you, well, you certainly got, a lot and you got a, a, a wide enough variety of people that I felt you, you covered some sense of the, the range of adverse events. And also when you interviewed, um, I'm thinking in particular, the, the man named Ernest, whose son passed away, you also gave like you, you may, you can reminded people that an adverse event isn't just impacting one person. You know, there's yeah. another, there's another young woman who won, who isn't currently in a wheelchair and her mom is next to her for most of the movie. So you see the impact now on the family. The, the unit has been impacted perhaps forever. We don't know. I don't want to speak that into existence, but, right. and, and so I felt that the, you created this, um, this balance where anyone who, who 
watches this with an even remotely open mind is going to see two things. What you said before, that to, there's no value in shaming someone who took the, the shot and then had this happen to them. But also you shared um, – you showed the, the myriad ways – that this that these events can impact an individual and then the people in their lives and you just also you highlighted to me something like you're a filmmaker and and you maybe you can't work on a particular set if there's a mandate or the new york city experience like it's it's much yes. more than one person feeling numbness on one side of their body like it it it, it it that it can't be dismissed as that and i feel like the movie makes that point it, and and you very much humanize these people because they're humans, <laughs> you know, like we yes. don't, they didn't really need humanizing, but in a way, maybe they did because they've been dehumanized because they're in this weird limbo. The yeah. right, the right says, well, you never should have gotten a shot. And the left says, have their hands over their ears going, la, 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 like they don't mm-hmm. even exist. And it's like they're in this bizarre purgatory and, and yeah. you're saying, no, 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 I want, I'm with you and I want to hear your story. And, and that's part of the power of this, this documentary. Yeah. And they need help. Like that's like the huge, like these people are still suffering. They need help. Like they've spent hundreds and thousands of dollars of their own money on, on, you know, like people have lost their, I know people who have lost their house. I interviewed somebody who's homeless because she lost her job. She was living in a trailer on her friend's property. And like that, you know, her story didn't make it into the movie, but um, I, we, I had a really great interview with her. It was just like, there are people who are homeless or people and, you know, it's just the stories. And like, this guy was like, what you're doing is great. You know, I'm not ready to be interviewed right now. He lives in New York City. He's like, I'm still trying to get work and not become, he was like, but my life has been completely ruined and I'm, I can't even pay my bills. And Jeez. Yeah. So it's like, this is also just of documentation of like what is happening and we need help. And we're trying to get this movie to legislators, to people who are, you know, making the laws and who are seeing that this is actually happening because we, people still need help and we're still not getting help and they're not getting acknowledged. Yeah. And that's the worst of it. And as you've touched on a variety of times in this conversation, if people choose to, to move back and see it with a, with a, even a bigger lens, conversations like, we live in a culture where the economy is so fragile that if someone gets a, an adverse event, they could wind up homeless. Um, someone that doesn't have health insurance can't even go to the doctor. And so yeah. it, it, it touches on so many societal issues. And, in a, uh, and no, this is no justification, but in a way, I can almost understand why people shy away from it because it opens up a lot of a, a huge Pandora's box as to what what's really going on here. And yeah. and but. Thank Kevin, you decided to do it. Um, so yeah, and I had to. And also, the thing that the thing the reason why I made it was I was I had lost my second job. I got a really great job. It was only a three week job, and it was in January of this year. And I was like, great, and it was going to make money. And and then they wouldn't they wouldn't hire me in the end. I was hired, and then they found out I wasn't fully vaccinated. And I I, I offered to get. And this was in January when the vaccinated people were all getting Omicron. So like it wasn't you know. So like there's no question at this point that like come on like yeah. And then I and I had an exemption at that point. It took a really long time to get a doctor's exemption. No one would give me one. But I had had an exemption at that point. I had my vax card showing I had one vax, and I told them I'll get tested every day. I'll come to work and I'll get tested every morning. And they were like, no, you, we're not hiring yeah. you. 
Yeah, so like zero I, science I, at that point. Like now it's just yeah. it's just some bizarre um, sticking to some ideology. Where I, like it's almost virtue signaling. Like I don't know who they're trying to impress, but it's like we're so serious about this. We're such good people that we won't even let someone on onto this job who's willing to be tested seven days a week. Yeah. Who had you know, a reaction? Who had, right, an who had a reaction? Like it's not someone who's mocking all of yeah. them, as if the, not that that's a reason to fire them either. But exactly, um, exactly. No, exactly. In the same way, I say that. Like I had a reaction just to show the ridiculousness, but then yeah. I also back up and say, even if you didn't have a reaction and you're just morals and standards are you don't want to get vaccinated, that is a justified enough as well. Yeah, like I mean, should, yeah. Like what happened to you know medical freedom and bodily autonomy it's it's just it's at least temporarily is out the window i like to believe that this is not this is not permanent and i know enough people now uh, because i'm i've been so actively speaking out on these issues i've made an entirely new social circle which as you stated kind of leans to the right or maybe more maybe the better word is conservative and Mm -hmm. there are things that we don't just don't agree on but so far we've been pretty good at just focusing on what we agree on and i've learned to 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 be more open-minded because when i was way more active on the left i have to own up to it now there would be times where i would just sort of shut myself down if someone from a particular group or uh ideology began to state an opinion i was already judging it just based on where they were standing and i was realizing well then i wasn't exactly open-minded and so it's there's a lot we can a lot positive things we can learn here now we we're i'm really enjoying this conversation we're really i want to come back all the way at the end with one um, like sort of wrap up question here, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention that you are much more than someone who got an ac- a vaccine adverse event. You, you, you're an artist, you have multiple interests and you have a lot going on in dreams. And one of them is before this whole pandemic, you wrote and produced and directed and appeared in a movie called Una Great Movie, which you call your baby. And I watched it recently, and I'm going to put it in the show notes. It is free on Amazon Prime. And all the way at the end of the movie, you and the other character kind of exchange lines, but you you end up saying, um, I have it in front of me, to, to like you're raising a toast, to doing what we need to survive this life, to life, to experiences, to survival. And having watched anecdotals first, that felt so... Um, profound. It had a whole other meaning beyond its already profound meaning in the movie where you, as you were making that movie, you didn't know where you were going to be a few minutes, a few years later. And so I just want to give you a little bit of time here. Like, uh, tell us a little bit about the movie if you choose, or what are your putting, what are your plans? Do you see yourself making more documentaries? Was that an amazing experience you hadn't considered before? Do you want to go back to feature films? Can you see yourself working in Hollywood or are you not allowed to work in Hollywood? I don't know. Or like maybe you don't even want to, but let's just take, you know, a couple of minutes and tell us about this other part of your life that fills out some more context that you're much more than someone who had this adverse event. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so I'm a filmmaker. And I mean, I've, it's all I've wanted to do since I was like six years old. So I'm, it's in my soul. And as an artist, I believe, and I, I believe that you have a risk. And I'm not, some people have different beliefs. So I'm not saying that my, but how I see art and being an artist is that we have a responsibility to tell our truths and show and enlighten people. And art is a reflection of society whether it's painting, whether it's poetry, whether it's a book, whether it's a movie, it's a reflection of society from, some, from the artist's eyes. And as an artist, you have a responsibility 
to show society through your eyes. So I've always been kind of an activist filmmaker in my mind. Um, So as far as documentary, but I've done fictions for the most part, like I've done two feature films and they're both comedies, which has been really interesting. And Una Great Movie, which is the one now on Amazon. And it was actually one of the reasons I did not want to make anecdotals because I spent six years and all my life savings making this movie. I moved to Mexico. It was just like, this is a story I have to tell. These are people I have to show. Um, and it's a, it's fiction and it's a comedy. So it's actually like great in a time when everything's so heavy, but it's still thoughtful. Um, Cause you still have mm-hmm. to think a lot. So I was just like, I'm going to do this. And so with COVID I had distribution for a great movie or it was starting to work its way. And then, um, it was actually supposed to be in the AMC movie chain July of 2020. Oh, man. Then, yeah, the movie theaters closed. All my distribution opportunities were gone. Suddenly, even Netflix and all the streaming stuff was going towards the studio movies because they weren't going to movie theaters anymore. So now celebrity and studio movies are coming on streaming platforms. And so us indie filmmakers just have nowhere So after COVID, then I'm just like, you know, I finally got it. I've gotten it on Amazon, but I've just been like, I don't want to ruin my chances with doing a great movie by doing anecdotals. And I know I could get blacklisted. I suddenly people who would follow in a great movie and like it are going to, you know, not even want to see it because of what I stand for. Or, so I did a whole thing where this part of the reason I didn't want to make anecdotals. Cause I really take myself seriously as an artist and as a creator. And I love in a great movie. I'm so proud of it. It's my voice. It's my message to the world. It's my story. And so, so thank you for bringing it up. And it's, um, and so I've, I've made that. And as a filmmaker, I'm just like, I believe that I want to keep doing that. I also believe that making people laugh is a really good way to deal with hard issues. And Una Great Movie is a comedy, but there's a lot of issues underneath yes. it all. <laughs> some say too many, some say too many, but that's me. Like I like <laughs> to bring it all up. Um, so there's a lot of issues while you laugh. And to me, that's what I do as a filmmaker. Like Charlie Kaufman is like my hero. He mm-hmm. did, um, he did Eternal Sunshine, but uh, um, an adaptation, but he actually did Synecdoche which I think is like, in my mind, the most brilliant depiction of life ever, ever depicted wow. in a movie. And I know a lot of people don't even get that movie, but I just, so that's like where my mind is. Um, and I want to do that. So I want to do more fiction. I have another idea, but you know, these documentaries keep falling on me because of my, my, um, because I'm a, because I feel like I have this obligation. I actually, if you, if you, and I'm not, I don't need to plug this and I don't care. This is an old movie. I don't, I don't really care if people watch it, but like on my website, Jennifer Sharp Films, my filmmaking website, jennifersharpfilms.com. There's a like 16 or 15 minute documentary I made in Honduras when I was just traveling alone, like in Honduras, like in the jungle. And I found myself at this rich, abandoned, uh, multi-million dollar villa that no one had been in for a year. And I spent two weeks there by myself. And um, there was this caretaker and there were these caretakers that lived there that, I mean, that lived in these small shacks that would come and just like sweep the beach in case the rich people ever came, which they never did. So meanwhile, it's these super impoverished guys working for like, you know, $8 a day away from society in the jungle. And it was so interesting that I was like, I have to make a movie about you. Like, so I took my phone and no audio, just my cell phone. And while I was in the jungle by myself, like, um, I, I documented these guys' lives and I showed them. And it's a really, it's called Solitary Worlds and it's free on my website. It's free on my YouTube channel, Jennifer Sharp Films. And and it turned out to be really good. And I'm like, I just realized like I'm a storyteller, whether it's documentary, I really believe in like highlighting like what I see and, and my voice of how I see the world. And um, 
So I'll probably do more documentaries. Um, Una, great movie. I actually documented myself along the way. So I actually even have a documentary of the making of Una, great movie because I took my life savings and moved to Mexico and said, I'm not coming back until I've either made this movie or I'm living in Ohio in my mom's basement. (laughs) (laughs) And I was dead serious. So anyway, that's a little bit about me, my passion, my drive, my belief of art. And yeah, if anybody wants to enlighten, lighten up a little bit and laugh while they're still thinking, you know, it's a great movie. It's yeah, it's free on Amazon prime. If you don't have Amazon prime, you can rent it. It's also free on Tubi with commercials. I, I prefer not to, yeah, push the commercial experience, but you know. Well, whatever. thank you for that. It's it's. I could hear from from the point of our conversation where you talked. You asked your friend if you could film them while you were eating dinner, and then you talking about how you're in Honduras and you immediately pulled out your phone and you film it, and, and then you mentioned that you've wanted to do this since you were sick. It's six. It's so obvious. Like like you. This yeah. this is in your blood, and. Any version, any cinematic version that you create is is like your calling, and and you didn't plan on having an adverse event, but then boom, you turn out this excellent documentary, and I, you know, I can only hope that the that the the quality of this documentary has that parallel track where where it helps people who desperately need help and brings awareness, but at the same time also helps you in your career and let people recognize that this is a really well-made film and what else can she do? So I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm going to definitely include, I already had put your um, Jennifer Sharp films um, in there, but I, I will add the YouTube channel too. I'll put, and you could email me um, any other links that you want in the show notes that people will have some context about you. But um, so what, so we went much longer than I expected, but I have no complaints about that. I guess I'm just – but I don't want to just abruptly end. So I'm going to just pose a question and if you could sort of short answer it with a yes. short answer. But it, it, you know, when you're laying in bed at night and thinking of anecdotals, what, what do you hope – what is your strongest hope that the, the viewers, the audience will feel while they're watching this film and then do after? Like what action would they take after they watch the movie? So depending on the audience, but in general, like uh, the human watching it, I would just want people to start to to feel like it's okay to ask questions and it's okay to question yourself and whether you're left or right, because it brings up emotions in everybody that that I would like everybody to challenge themselves to, to watch it and then challenge themselves to say, hey, where am I close minded? Hey, where have I thought I was right where I was wrong? Hey, especially on this issue, where are my stances? What about the people I'm judging? Why am I judging them? And what's their story? That's what I, that's what I want. That's kind of not, it's kind of circular. It's not very direct what I'm saying, but does that make sense? Oh, no, absolutely. You did not need that caveat at the end. That, what, what better, I mean, what more could you ask for than to inspire people to ask more questions, including questions about themselves? And, and this is something that, that I think, I could speak for myself. I've had to learn and relearn that when I get very attached to a, an opinion or a mindset, it's really crucial to take a step back and ask, how did I develop this opinion and mindset? Where, where, yeah. Why do where I have it? it? And you might find that you can reinforce it and be like, oh, yeah, this, I, I put in the work. I did the homework. And this, is a, consist, this, this um, reflects my personal values. But you also might find that 
I don't even really know how this started. And, and yeah. I, maybe I should dig a little deeper and, you know, interrogate myself the way I would interrogate someone else who had an opinion I wasn't sure about. So that is as noble yeah. a goal for a work of art that I could ever imagine. <laughs> and really. to be brave. And, and I know we're, we're wrapped up, but just quickly, I would interview some people for the documentary and then I would go to their Facebook page and do all this research on them to make sure they weren't crazy because I want this bulletproof. And like, you know, and I would see them protesting. I would see some pro-Trump stuff going on you know like which is against my i mean which is you know at a certain at a different time in my life like maybe you know years ago that would be like oh they're pro trump or oh they're pro this or oh they're this and i had to put myself in check and be like well why don't they deserve to be in my movie like even senator ron johnson you know it's just kind of like oh it's like so i should take him out of the movie because of his beliefs and then that's me even questioning myself and that's what i think what i want everybody to do too like so what if they're so what if they have this belief so what if like it makes no it doesn't make a difference, but we all kind of have this reaction, you know. Yeah, Jenna, I could not agree more. It's it is this it is this realization that where there is no finish line here. This is a this is just a process that would and that we, we we shouldn't be aiming to be a finished product. Like, oh, I found the ideological space where I belong because, first of all, the sands shift as we saw over the past mm-hmm. couple of years, but also uh, one of, some of the most powerful and my some of the favorite times of my life have been when I found out indisputably that something I believe strongly wasn't true. Yes. And it's that yes. moment of epiphany. I live for that. And yes. I, I think that if we can inspire that more, not to boost ourselves up, because it's just this awareness that we are wrong far more often than we are right. And that's actually a beautiful part of the journey. Yes, beautiful. I 100% agree. I'm so happy to be talking to you and have met you because I'm, I'm exactly with you. Yes. Thank you so much, Jen. This is a wonderful conversation. Uh, so let me let me end by saying, number one, may you may the uh, side effects um, continue to ease for you and not have any long term implications. I, I really wish all the best for you health wise. Thank you. And as for the film, thank you for making it. And I, I'm not even going to wish you luck with this. I'm just going to state that I am excited already about how many countless people you're going to reach and how many minds you're going to open with this. You've done important work and we, we all appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank but, you for giving me the space to talk about it. The pleasure was mine. Let's stay in touch. Okay. Bye. Thanks. I'll be back with some closing thoughts after one more word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z again. I trust you're enjoying this episode. And if so, I would really, really appreciate it if you would become a paid subscriber for just $5 a month, less than 17 cents a day. You can support this Substack and this podcast. Your help is essential and it's crucial. And it's you who keeps this project going and growing. So thank you for listening. Thank you in advance for becoming a paid subscriber. And please spread the word. And while you're at it, please check the show notes for a link to a really kick-ass post-woke t-shirt. The sales have been going up. People are out there showing off what their favorite podcast is. And now it's time for you to join the team. So once again, thank you in advance. And let's get back to the show. Hey, to quickly wrap up, I'm going to just 
reinforce something that Jennifer said at the end and urge everyone, myself included, that whenever you feel a reflexive reaction, response, emotion, or opinion rise to the surface, that is the perfect time to interrogate yourself as to where that reaction came from. Because even when it comes to our own behaviors, it is essential that we always keep our guard up.